Today we're going to look at a greater celebration that took place nearly 2,000 years ago at the beginning of one of the biggest holidays that the Jewish nation has. Uh, Jesus shows up, borrows a ride, and begins his own parade down a mountainside into the city of Jerusalem. It, it was like a presidential inauguration almost. Uh, he, he, he was the champion that the people had been waiting for, but some others hated to see him coming. But on that day, the crowd would meet the king. Uh, we remember also last week we talked about it, if you were here, that the book of John, the purpose of the book of John is that, is that people would see the signs or miracles performed by Jesus and believe that he is the Christ, the Son of God. And by believing, they would have life in his name. Uh, that last sign, the last sign Jesus performed in front of the crowds was the raising of Lazarus from the dead. Uh, it left little doubt that he was the Christ. The time had finally come for him to reveal himself to the people. All four gospel accounts record this moment, this spe special entrance into, Jer into Jerusalem by Jesus. Uh, it's in, it's in um, Mark uh, chapter 11, verse 7 through 11. It's in Matthew chapter 21, verses 4 to 11. And it's in Luke. Chapter 19, verses 35 to 44. Everyone needed to capture this, this special moment. Listen, listen to what happens when the crowd meets the king. In this passage, the uh, crowds celebrate the beginning of Christ's reign. We learn the significance of his ride. Uh, we consider his reputation and hear the frustration of his resistance. In case you're prone to, to get antsy or have short attention, take, take this point with you that we should be a part of the crowd that helps the world recognize Jesus as king. We should be a part of the crowd that helps the world recognize Jesus as king. The crowds begin, to, begin celebrating his reign. In verse 12, it says, The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. Not many days before Passover, on a Sunday, uh, the crowds begin to gather around Jesus. Uh, because, of the, because of the threat of him being arrested, uh, people have been wondering if he would show up in Jerusalem. When they heard that he was coming, the people who had come from all over uh, uh, for the feast of Passover went out to meet Jesus. There, there was an expectation that he was going to do something powerful that day. Uh, when you come to gather, do you have an expectation that God is going to do something powerful? He, he had drawn crowds before as he ministered in Capernaum and other places uh, people had reacted to his teaching and his preaching and miracle working power, but this day was different. Both Matthew and Mark tell that, that there was a crowd that went in front of him, and, and then, then there was also a crowd that followed behind him. He was 
being surrounded, which where I'm from sounds like a bad thing. But, but Jesus was being surrounded with praise. He was being surrounded with praise. Uh, they, 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 they came waving palms. The palms that were being carried by the crowd coming out to meet Jesus were probably branches from available trees near the roads that were traveled by those who had come to the Passover feast. Uh, uh, the, 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 the palm tree was, was plentiful at that time and it had become symbolic of, of Israel. Uh, it, it, it had a lot of meaning to them, the palm tree. It, it had come to represent victory. It had come to represent triumph. It had come to rep- represent righteousness and, and prosperity. Images of the palm tree were used in the temple built by Solomon. Uh, even during another feast of Israel called the Feast of Tabernacles, palms were waved along with other branches as the psalms of praise were being sung. Uh, Those halal psalms from Psalm 113 to 118, uh, they would be waving palms as they sung that that very last praise psalm, Psalm 118, which was also sung during Passover, and it was used by the crowd here today. Psalm 118, verse 25 and 26 says, Save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The crowds here use some of the words of Psalm 118, uh, verses 25 and 26, as they acknowledge Jesus by waving and laying down palm branches uh, in the road in front of him as he he journeyed. They, They shouted these words with loud voices, Uh, As was the tradition, uh, they likely took turns singing and shouting different parts of the psalm. Some in the front might have been crying out, Hosanna! Then then another part of the crowd over to the side would shout out, Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord! Then maybe from somewhere way in the back, a group could be heard loudly saying, Even the King of Israel! We see, we see other, other, other lines to this song being uh, shared and shouted in the other Gospels, but John shares enough to give us the point of the song. The word Hosanna meant save now. It was used both as a, a prayer and a praise to God. Remembering his deliverance of his people in the past and bring, being confident in him sending his salvation to his people again in that day and time when the psalm was being sung. There's a gospel song sung today that claims that if God did it before, he can do it again. We need songs that that make us remember what God has done and then hope for what he will do. This psalm is such. The The words used from verse 26 of the psalm point to how he would send his salvation through his divine representative. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The one who comes in the name of the Lord was to be praised, blessed, blessed, uh, to be praised. Uh, they, they had 
practiced singing these words for many years in their festivals, but on this day they shouted, believing that God has sent and was setting up salvation for them through this new king, Jesus. We don't need to guess what, what, what they thought or believed about Jesus because John records here that, that at the end of the verse they added the words, even the king of Israel. In that moment, they believed that he was the one. In that moment. Uh, they had been expecting and hoping for the king that God uh, would send for a long time. They, they were being ruled over by a government that had no respect for them. They wanted someone to free them and lead them in victory over that government called Rome. But, but as bad as Rome was, their bigger enemy was the one that Lazarus had faced not so long ago, the enemy called death. That enemy uh, uh, that each person was going to have to deal with sooner or later, uh, this new king, Jesus, came to conquer that enemy and lead them on a victory parade out of it, making his, his way towards Jerusalem, Jesus is ready to begin his reign as king, but is the crowd ready for what he's really come to offer? Verse 14 says, And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, Then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. At other times, Jesus had had downplayed his his status to the crowds. He would do things and then say, don't tell anyone. Uh, 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 When they wanted to celebrate, elevate, and make him king, uh, he would put him on the back burner. But here, he accepts the praise and he starts to reveal something about himself to the crowds. He, he was going to be a different kind of king than many may have uh, thought about or, or wanted. John explains for us that Jesus, Jesus' choice of ride into Jerusalem had a purpose. It, it wasn't because he was tired or because no other mode of transportation was available, but he was living out just what the scriptures had said. In Zechariah 9 and 9, the scripture says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he. Humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Over 400 years earlier, God had sent this message by the prophet Zechariah to his people who had already experienced deliverance from the exile, but were now getting discouraged that things were not looking how they hoped they would look. Uh, they, 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 they were moved forward by God into something exciting and great. But now that they've been there in that place, It stopped being so exciting and great, and now they were becoming discouraged and frustrated. This is going to resonate with someone sooner or later. (laughs) 
God encourages his people, telling them to rejoice. He calls uh, Jerusalem and its people the daughter of Zion. It's a tender name for a place and for a people that are deeply cared about by God. The scripture gives them a reason not to fear. And and though they use the word fear not instead of rejoice, uh, some believe that they may have borrowed it from Isaiah in the 40th chapter and 41st chapter. But uh, the scripture gives them a reason not to fear. The prophet speaks. It tells them that joy is coming your way in a way you wouldn't expect it. Their king would come to save them. But he wouldn't come riding on a war horse or a chariot like the conquering warrior kings of that day. He would be humble. He, he would show up riding on a young donkey. Uh, kings going to war would ride horses, but kings celebrating victory and peace would ride a donkey. He would, he would end war and he would be bringing peace. Jesus' ride should have been a hint to the people. It it was the young donkey that Zechariah talked about because he's the king that God had always been talking about. His ride begins fulfilling the prophecy and points to him being the one they were waiting for. They just needed to recognize him. Uh, John explains that God's word was happening right in front of their eyes. One reason I I like the Bible is because it it tells about real people. It's real people in the Bible you can identify with. I'm I'm sure that John would have have liked to show himself and the disciples as some kind of spiritual giants who knew and understood the scriptures inside and out. But he admits here in verse 16 that, that none of them understood what Jesus was doing when he chose that donkey uh, to ride into Jerusalem. But after Jesus' death and resurrection, some things were made clear. What was happening to Jesus is what Scripture said would happen. He was the fulfillment of the Word of God. Like them, we all need God to open the Scriptures for us and to to fully understand what Jesus has done. Uh, we, we, We should be prayerful when we gather and when we come together, asking God to open our minds and hearts to what he's trying to show us. God is always trying to show us something. Uh, Someone once told me, God is ever speaking, but are we ever listening? Since even the disciples didn't understand all that it meant when Jesus mounted that young donkey, it, it had to be more than his ride that caused the crowd to believe Jesus was the promised king. Let's consider his reputation Verses 17 and 18, the the crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. Uh, the, The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they heard he had done this sign. We got two crowds happening here. Two different crowds. We got a crowd that's bearing witness, and then we got a crowd that's hearing things and going. Uh, why, did they, why did they rush out to meet Jesus? There was, there was something stirring the crowds to come to Jesus and offer praise and shouts to God. Some, some of the folks in the crowd may have traveled down from Galilee. Uh, may, maybe there were some what I call 
used to be folks in that crowd. Some that, some that used to be oppressed by demons, but now are set free by Jesus. Some that used to be broken in the body, but were now healed by Jesus. Some folks that used to be blind, but as the brother in chapter 9 says, now can see because of Jesus. I, I, I would have been in that used to be crowd. I used to be something else, but then I met Jesus. Does, does anybody in here have that testimony other than me? Hey, man, I'm in the right place. Used to be, used to be. All, all of these could have been in the crowd, possibly. But, but it was really the ones who were there when Lazarus was raised from the dead that kept the crowd stirred up. They were constantly telling the story to everybody. Lazarus used to be dead, but Jesus called his name. Everywhere they went and everyone they met, have you heard what Jesus did? Did you hear about Jesus and Lazarus? Oh, you should have been there to see it. The crowd was showing up not only because they heard Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, but because of what they heard from those who had seen Jesus' sign of resurrection and power with Lazarus. It, it, was, it was the testimony about that miracle that led the crowd to flock to Jesus with palms and praise. The fact, the fact that, it was, that it was not only one or two, or not, not even... Not even three, four, or five, but a, a whole crowd who witnessed Lazarus coming out of the grave. Uh, the fact that they are there giving testimony makes the report about Jesus reliable and makes Christ's reputation real to these people. You do know we have a reliable faith. As amazing, though, as this is, it was still only a small preview of what Jesus promised and, and would soon demonstrate himself. The miracle of Lazarus gave a foreshadow of what the Christian hope would be. Hope that one day the sound of Jesus' voice would come and those who believed in him would be called out of the grave and have life with him forever. Hope. That, but, but, there, but here in the scripture... As his reputation spread, his resistance also becomes more frustrated. There's always resistance. So, so the Pharisees, verse 19, said to one another, you see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. The Pharisees who, who thought their way to God was through how righteous they could be by keeping the law had actually been breaking God's law ever since they met Jesus. Uh, their, their latest sin was plotting his murder. With, with their plans not happening fast enough, the Pharisees are frustrated that nothing they've said or done has stopped folks from going after Jesus. They, they are, are so angered and confused that they begin to exaggerate the situation. Uh, you know, when... You're angry. Sometimes you exaggerate and say things like, I'm starving. <laughs> Imagine the young child with their arms folded who tells their parent that they hate them. You never let me do anything fun. 
Well, first of all, you're four. <laughs> and if I'm feeding you, that should make you happy. <laughs> but that was these, these Pharisees. They weren't satisfied. Uh, they, they were frustrated and exaggerating. Uh, the whole world wasn't going after Jesus, but they knew they had lost their grip on the people that they wanted to lead and, and, and have rule over when they heard them calling Jesus king. But this group of uh, uh, Pharisees, they, they were wrong at at least two ways. First is that the people never belonged to them. It wasn't their people that they were losing. It'd be like a pastor saying, I lost my congregation to Jesus. The disciples of John were like that. They, uh, uh, they got worried when people stopped following John the Baptist and, and, and went over to start following Jesus. And I like John because John the Baptist gave them a good answer. He said, he must increase and I must decrease. In other words, he deserves it. The people belong to him and not me. The Pharisees could have learned that lesson. The second way they were wrong is that they they didn't understand that all of the people shouting praises to Jesus are not going to stay with Jesus. So it's not the whole world. Some might shout for a season and then commit treason. But as as we follow Jesus... We can't become overly concerned with the crowds. It's, it's, it's tempting to, to think if Jesus is being proclaimed that there should be a crowd. And in fact, that's what the text is, seems to be pointing at. But we can't be overly concerned with the crowd because God sees what we can't. In the book of Revelation in chapter 7, in verses, verses 9 and 10, John shares that In the the heavenly realms, he was shown an even greater crowd than these crowds gathered here who had come through great tribulation and they were made up of all nations and languages and tribes and peoples. And they were there holding palm branches, standing before the throne of God in the presence of Jesus, giving praise with a loud voice for salvation. The Bible says, also tells us that one day every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That includes those Pharisees that were resisting him and anyone else that's resisting him today. Anyone anyone that's uh, resisting his his reign. So what should be our our part in all of this? Uh, In light of the fact that Each of the people in each of these crowds and every crowd that will ever be formed, whether it's here in this building on Sundays or in the streets of Wilmington, uh, all will eventually have to come face to face with Jesus, either as king that saves them from death or judge that sentences them and sends them away for eternity. One. We, we should recognize that the crowds that first Palm Sunday had an awesome but lesser testimony than we have this Sunday. We have a greater story to tell. Uh, we, we, uh, what Jesus has, 
already done, what, what he can still do, what he's still doing, and what he will do one day, our testimony. So we, we should, in light of all of this, we should commit this season to share with someone the truth of the resurrection and the resurrection power of Jesus. We should be part of the crowd that helps the world recognize Jesus as king. We should commit to be part of the crowd that helps the world recognize Jesus as king. Amen. Father, we thank you for that triumphant entry of the Lord Jesus Christ into Jerusalem that day, him declaring that he would reign. Knowing fully, Lord, that he was not only headed towards the reign of a king, but the suffering of a servant. Thank you, Lord, that, he done it, that he's done it all on our behalf. We pray, Lord, that you will put that witness and testimony uh, into our hearts and into our mouths and that we would uh, go uh, near and abroad, that we would share it, Lord, uh, this season with all that we encounter that you will be glorified by us. In Jesus' name, amen.